Amen. Thank you. How are you all? It's good to see you. I got up really early for y'all this morning. So I'm Emily. Um, I'm the founder of One Eagle's Wings, and I'll just quickly share how that got started. Uh, I came to know the Lord when I was 22, and I'm 35 now. And how that happened, I was a total mess, um, addicted, drugs, alcohol, lots of craziness in my life. And I had graduated college, but really my, my emotional life was a mess, even though I was doing good in my career. And my grandma uh, was dying of cancer, and she asked me to go to church. And I said, now, Mama, I haven't been in church since I was 12. And she said, it's okay. She said, there's lots of young people. So I thought, oh, I'm going to meet a boy. I did, and I married him. But I went, and I thought, okay, God, why am I here? And that very first day back in church since I was a little kid, everybody was dressed up like Bible characters. And I thought I was in a cult. People were walking around in robes. And I saw a guy walk by, and they go, there goes Jesus. My uncle said, there goes Jesus. And I said, you do not think that's Jesus. And he said, it's Palm Sunday. We're having a play. Chill out. And I thought, oh, my gosh. I didn't even know what Palm Sunday was. I don't remember much of that service, but I know at the end I was on my face at the altar. And my prayer that morning was God saved me from myself. I knew I was my own worst enemy, and I prayed for God to rescue me. And just in the weeks and months to come, God started doing a huge work in my life. And I felt that he was calling me out to some sort of a ministry. And I felt like the call was really big. And at that time, I was involved in a college and career Bible study. And I remember telling my Bible teacher, I'm called to the ministry. He kept saying, we're all called, Emily. And I kept saying, no, but I'm really called. And I didn't feel like anybody could understand this excitement and this joy and enthusiasm that I had. One day I was driving past the scenic overlook, and it was only a few months old as a Christian, and the Holy Spirit prompted me to pull over. I went and I sat down, got my journal out, and I started writing, and I wrote on Eagle's Wings Ministries, Healing Hearts and Changing Lives. And I looked at it, and I thought, well, what in the world is that? Didn't say anything to anybody. A few weeks go by, my mom calls, and she said, the weirdest thing happened to me today. I was driving past the scenic overlook, the same place I went to. She said, I got off, and I pulled over, and I went to the middle, and she said, all I could do was stop and pray for you. And she said, I was crying, and I said, Mom, let me tell you what happened. And I told her about on Eagle's Wings Ministries, and you know what she said? Your ministry. And I said, well, that's what I thought, but I think God's got something real big. And fast forward, I marry an awesome man. We start having children, and I'm working in Durham, North Carolina for the Marriott as a wedding planner. Nothing to do with ministry, dealing with brides all day long, and thinking, God, what happened to an eagle's wings? Why am I working as a wedding planner? You know, one morning I got up, and I, my devotion was, Behold, I'm about to do a new thing. I announce it to you before it springs into being. And I'm driving to work, and that same scripture comes on the radio. And I thought, well, that's kind of weird. I get to work, and one of my coworkers, she said, Emily, I've been praying for you this morning. And God wants me to tell you he's going to do a new thing. And I said, well, praise the Lord. If he gets me out of this Marriott, I will be so happy. And he did. He opened up a job for me at the Billy Graham Training Center at the Cove. And I went to the cove thinking, this will be the last job I ever have. It's so beautiful. I love it. And I thought, oh, an eagle's wings, who cares about that? A year later at the cove, 
I find myself just praying a lot about, God, what do you have for me? You know, is there something outside of here? And he said, strippers. And I said, strippers. And the Lord said, yes. And I went to work and I told one of my good friends at work, her name's Kim. I said, Kim, I think I have this ministry. I think it's called On Eagle's Wings. And I think I want to go to the strip clubs. And she said, cool, when are we going to go? <laughs> and I said, well, how about New Year's Eve? And this was in 2007. So New Year's Eve 2008, we went to a club in Asheville. We had collected gift bags, put all kinds of goodies in there, took them in. And I think the bouncers thought we were, you know, liking girls. They were like, hey, these are for the girls. And they're like, y'all want to come in? We're like, no, just leave them, you know. So we left. A few weeks go by, and I get a phone call. I'm at the Cove, and this girl says, hi, this is Brandy. And she said, did you leave that bag? Because we put a little card in there with our my, my cell phone number. And I said, I did. And she said, I can't believe y'all did that. And she said, that is so sweet. And she said, are you a Christian? And I said, yeah, I'm a Christian. And she said, well, don't you think I'm nasty? And I said, what do you mean? She said, well, why would you do that? Don't you think I'm dirty? And I said, oh, girl, we need to have lunch. So I took her to Kakula's, and we had a good Mexican lunch, and I started building a relationship with her, and I was so excited. And I told Kim, I said, it worked. Our plan worked. And I started thinking, there's clubs in Charlotte, Greenville, you know, there's huge mission field of all these strip clubs. So Kim and I just started going at it. We were going to club after club, taking gift bags in, going in behind the scenes, going to dressing rooms, praying with the dancers. And I started learning that some of these girls were there working for pimps. And, you know, as a kid growing up, I always thought the pimp was the guy with the feathered hat and the cane, the little, you know, I didn't know what a pimp was. And so just out of curiosity, I started Googling prostitution and pimping. Still working at the Cove, probably should have been working, but I was actually Googling. And I found this report, and it said, American children are for sale. And it caught my attention, American children. And I opened it up. It was about a 40-page research report, and it was written by a group in D.C. called Shared Hope International. Now, Shared Hope was started by former Congresswoman Linda Smith, and the Department of Justice gave Ms. Smith a grant, and they said, go into 10 cities in the U.S., Look at the problem of sex trafficking as it pertains to minors. We want to know what's going on in our country. So Linda, she had been working overseas supporting groups in, in, in Thailand and India and Cambodia and all these places. She said, oh, I'll do the report, I'll do the research, but I don't expect to find anything. Well, what they found was astounding. Every city they went to, the numbers were so alarming Girls were being picked up, arrested, treated as child prostitutes, put in juvenile detention center, not getting services. These kids were in and out of foster care, just slipping through the cracks. And the, this report, the number one thing it kept saying over and over is, we need safe homes. We need safe homes. Now, I like to take opportunities and make things happen. I'm a visionary. I like to start projects. I don't like to stay in the project. I like to let somebody else do it, right, Stephanie? <laughs> but I like to go on. But I love starting projects. So when I saw that we needed a safe home in the U.S., I thought, ah, we can do something. So I went to Kim, and I said, let's start a home for sex trafficking. And she's like, cool. You know, Kim's just like, how are we going to do it? Well, I, have, I told you, my degree is in hotel restaurant management. I have no social work degree. People thought I had lost my mind. They said, how are you going to get these kids? You know, you don't know what you're doing. Nobody's going to send you kids. 
I just started doing research, going to every trafficking conference I could go to. I connected with Shared Hope. I connected with FBI. I connected with DSS. And I started putting together on paper plans for a safe home. And just speaking out in the community about our strip club outreach, about this home that we were calling Hope House that we wanted to open. And my pastor went to my mom and said, has Emily lost it? He said, does she know what she's getting into? And I just kept saying, Lord, I know that you're calling me into this. And it was to the point where I knew that I knew that I knew. Nobody could have convinced me different. So this goes on about six months. We're casting vision, get a little bit of money coming in. And one board meeting, I said, you know, every night that goes by, we are missing the opportunity to help girls because we don't have the money to get this place open. We were already getting calls from FBI. We had already had house mom that was going to work, kind of scoped out who our staff was going to be, did a budget all by faith. And I said, what if we just rent? And the board said, well, let's look around and see. Found this house. You know, it was a beautiful home. Somebody sent me an ad on Craigslist. White home with white pillars. I swear, y'all, that was the same house I had seen when I was praying in my prayer time. This white house with these white pillars. The second we decided to rent, somebody emailed me this picture, this white house and these white pillars. And I called him. And to make a long story short, the lady was a pastor's wife. And she said, we've been waiting for you. And I thought, does she know me? Like, what have I? And I said, what do you mean? And she said, we just had an intercessory prayer meeting that a ministry would come take this home. And to me, that was amazing. So when she said take, I thought it was going to be free, right? Well, the ad said 1800 a month. And I said, Miss Becca, I said, you know, the ad says 1800 Could you do any less? And I thought she was going to say, oh, it's yours. She said, well, 1600 is about the lowest we could go. So I go, she said, do you have any money? I said, well, we got a little bit. And she said, do you got any promises of money? And I said, what do you call promise? And she said, honey, I like the way you think. She said, let's sign the lease. So Kim and I went, we took our board, and we shared communion around the, we had a pool table in there. We shared a communion around there, and we just prayed, Lord, we're emptying our bank account. We had enough to pay the deposit and first month's rent, about 100 bucks left. We said, you've got to bless this, this big empty house. We, you know, we don't know what we're doing here, but you've got, you have the plan. Well, we did that, emptied our bank account, sent the word out. All these people started coming in, decorating the house. We're getting it ready. Everybody's so excited, only we weren't getting much money. Kim and I were still at the Cove, and she'd come up to my cubicle and say, Hey, I checked the mail today at lunch. We got $10. I'd say, Well, praise the Lord, $1,590 more. It's all we need. You know, my husband was freaking out, y'all, because he said he was staying home with the kids and doing online school. And he said, Emily, what are you doing? You know, he said, We can't pay this rent. I kept saying, God's going to do it. The week rent was due, we got a $10,000 check in the mail from Natalie Grant, a Christian singer. And it was amazing. Kim and I thought we were rich. We're like, Whoa! We had no clue, you know, five years later how much it was going to take. But that is just the beginning of what God has done. We opened the home in Asheville in 2009. We took our first girl. Uh, Her name was Katie. And I'll tell you, Katie came to us when she was 14. And the FBI agent that sent her said, if you can handle her, we'll send you more. And we said, okay, we're up for the challenge. For seven months, we just had Katie. And I used to walk, I'd get off at the cove and I'd go over to the house and I would meet with the house mom and the staff and I'd walk around the house praying, God, fill up the beds. I had no clue what I was asking for. God knew when we were going to be ready. And we worked with Katie for seven months and 
Katie was a challenge. Every day Katie was sick or she was thrown up or she didn't want to do school. I'm just done, you know, all this. But Katie had already been prostituted for two years before coming to Hope House. She had been pimped out by her father, and then she ended up running away and meeting a pimp on the streets. Today, Katie just finished her first year of college, and she's doing amazing, and she was with us for about a year, which is typically about how long girls stay that come to Hope House. And do we have, I had sent an audio, I don't know if we have it, testimony, do you have it? Just real quick, it's about a minute and a half, let's hear what Katie had to say about Hope House. So Katie recorded that when she was 15, so several years ago. And, you know, now I said she's just finishing up her first year of college. And I'll tell you, God has brought us some of the most amazing, talented girls. We've worked with 25 girls in the past five years. This ministry, it's not about huge numbers. I had a church one time say, Emily, I can't give mission giving to a home that just has four girls. And I thought, well, what if it was your daughter? It's about one life at a time. Human trafficking in the U.S. is a huge problem. The National Center for Missing Children say every year over 300,000 youth are sexually exploited. The Department of Justice says 13 years old is the average entry age into prostitution. That's a confirmed stat. You know, how many of you all know a 13-year-old or a 12-year-old? Probably a lot of you. Now imagine them being turned out night after night in the hands of a pimp. A lot of people ask, how does this work? 
So typically what happens with these girls is they're already abused in the home prior. They're running away. Maybe they're having fights with mom. 100% of our girls that we've worked with have come from single uh, parent families. So a lot of times what we're working with are girls that are running away. They're in and out of foster care, you know, maybe in and out of juvenile detention center already vulnerable a pimp just comes in and he doesn't come up and say hey i'm a pimp come work for me it's more the older boyfriend you know he has a nice car he has a nice house he's picking her up taking her to school or he's taking her to parties he's getting her hair done her nails done just taking her on shopping sprees until he builds that trust that's a process that's called grooming and so as he's grooming her she's feeling like she's in love with him he's going to protect her nobody in her life has ever loved her like him This is a typical scenario of how girls get pulled into this lifestyle. And when they're having sex for these pimps, they feel like they're doing it because they love him. He has sold them a lie. We're saving money. We're going to get married. We've had them come to Hope House with little engagement rings. We've had girls tell us, you know, well, my pimp, he took such good care of me. Well, what did he do for you? Well, he got my hair done, or he took me to nice restaurants, or we traveled. We went to Hawaii or Vegas. You know, here's a 14-year-old living this fast lifestyle, and she thinks it's glamorous. Well, what, what was so great about him? Well, he bought me all these things. Well, where did he get his money? Me. Well, so you bought it. Yeah, it's just like the light bulb will go off. They don't really understand their victims. They don't understand that they've been exploited. It takes them a while. At Hope House, we have trauma-focused cognitive behavior therapy. It works really well in children that have had severe PTSD. A hundred percent of our clients have had PTSD, big diagnosed with it. And so how that plays out in the house is flashbacks, nightmares, panic attacks, lots of triggers. One of our girls right now, we have her triggers Chinese food. Why? When she was out in the life, she was being trafficked all over the city of New York. When she was at go back at night to the hotel, the pimps would order Chinese food. That was a trigger for her. You know, so they all have they all have their own triggers, they all have their own things they're working through. Now, I will say, while the majority of our girls have been runaways, it does happen to girls that have been kidnapped. You know, we haven't seen many cases like this, but there was a case here in Marion a few years ago that our outreach director worked on. And it was a girl that was just at a party, fifteen years old, her drink was drugged. Somebody took her to a trailer out here in Marion. They were trying to prostitute her, and she threw a fit. She started screaming, and the lady that was controlling the men coming and going told the guys that brought her, get her out of here, get her out of here. And so we, her mom contacted us, and we contacted our contact with FBI, and they opened up a case. Now, it happens everywhere. It's not just big cities. Like I said, right here in Marion, in Asheville, we had a 12-year-old that was being prostituted, and her mom was prostituting her for drugs. So any time that there's a commercial sex act, it can be considered sex trafficking if the girl's a minor. That means if you're under 18, you don't have to prove forced fraud or coercion. You don't have to prove that you were tricked, lured into this. The federal law states if you're under 18 and you've been prostituted, a commercial sex act, it could be a McDonald's Happy Meal. You're a runaway on the street and you have sex for food. That's a commercial sex act that can be considered sex trafficking. So you'll see runaway shelters that'll say, well, we don't have sex trafficking here in North Carolina. And I'll say, well, do you see kids that have had survival sex? Oh, all the time. You know, sometimes people think that sex trafficking is just foreign girls trafficked in. Now, that is a problem. The Department of Justice says 25,000 approximately people are trafficked into the United States every year. 
But our group, our ministry, just works with victims of sex trafficking, particularly minors. So as we're working with these kids, I wanted to give you a few stats just to give you an idea of of the typical lifestyle. 100%, like I said, have had PTSD. 20% have had personality disorder. 100% have been victims of childhood abuse. These are Hope House stats. 40% have been involved in gang activity. 100% have struggled with substance abuse. 100% have been chronic runaways. 100% have been involved in the legal system. 80% have been referred by law enforcement. 20% have been trafficked by their own parent. 80% have had at least one abortion. These are kids that the system would call throwaways, juvenile delinquents, girls that nobody knows what to do with, you know, in and out of foster, in and out of JD. These are some of the most deserving young ladies I've ever met. If you were to meet them and hear their stories over the past five years like I have, you would grow to love them. We have seen girls that have went on to do great things, college, scholarships, you know, art, drama, singing, dance. They're so, so talented, and they just need someone that believes in them. Isaiah one seventeen: seek justice, rescue the oppressed, defend the orphan, and please for the widow. I believe that as a Christian, we serve a God that is just so passionate about rescuing the oppressed. And I believe that we can pray. I believe that we can be involved in rescue efforts by supporting homes like Hope House. There is a lot that we can do, people. We have, um, most recently, God has done another huge miracle. We um, closed the house in Asheville and moved to a beautiful new home in Gastonia. And I'll tell you why. There was a pastor there who said, we would love to buy a home for you guys. You know, I told you we've been renting the past four and a half years in Asheville. And we found a property that was going to um, auction, and nobody bought it. And it was a 4,000-square-foot home on six acres, and they were asking $77,000. Now, this place was a dump. Raccoons living in it. I mean, just nasty. Kim and I go out there, and we see the home. It's brick foundation. We're walking through it, and we're just visionaries, like, oh, this could be this, and this could be that, and we're just daydreaming, you know, thinking, okay, we're pie in the sky, you know, all this faith that we've seen God move mountains over and over the past five years, we, we left that property in Gastonia kind of giggling, like, yeah, right, you know, God blew us away, this church committed, it was a Methodist church, to raising $150,000 in January to buy this home and get it under renovation, Now, the reason this home is so great is because it offers six acres, so we can build a couple more cottages. We're turning girls away all the time because we don't have enough beds. It's always been our dream to have a transitional home for over 18. We work with adult women, too, and we constantly have to try trying to find services through host families or other domestic violence shelters, places that aren't equipped. So... That's why we love this home. Well, the church did a campaign. They came back and said, we raised off one offering $408,000. And I could not believe it. So then I thought, oh, we're going to have all this operating money. No, it was a capital campaign. But the cool thing is, this whole year, that money has went to renovate. The house is beautiful. We can have more girls there. We have more room to grow. We just moved our girls from Asheville there. So we have a couple open beds. We've already started receiving applications. And we're debt-free. I mean, there's no rent. We are just living there, and it's ours. We have the deed, which is so cool. 
And again, we have the six acres to grow. So God has continued to go above and beyond. The the leftover money from this campaign is going to be used to build the next home on the property. So just keep that in prayer. We are so, so excited about what God is doing, and he is awesome, and he is good. Do you have the, the slide with the picture of the three girls? Go to the next. Right here. The first one you see, that's Katie. That was her first day of college. The second one is one of our girls that got baptized recently. Now, she's at a local Christian college, and she finished her first year on the dean's list She's amazing. I invited her to come over and stay the weekend, and she said, I got to study. I was like, smarty pants. Now, this was a girl that came to us, wanted nothing to do with studying. Her mom was a prostitute. Her grandma was a prostitute. She felt that that was her lot in life to be a prostitute. Let me tell you what she said. She said, I've never had the idea of going going to college after high school. I knew I had the brains for it, but money was the issue. Because of the help of one of the volunteers, I'm now attending a private Christian college. She got a full four-year scholarship. We were so thrilled. I'm learning how to live, facing challenges and temptations every day, and I'm loving it. Even when I fall back, I get up stronger. Everyone has been so supportive and full of grace. As you can see, God has been moving mountains in my life. The best part is that there's more to come. The last one. This is DJ. She just graduated from our homeschool program. She also got a full scholarship at a local Christian college. And she said, I've been at Hope House for a little more than a year and a half. I have grown here more than I have in my entire life. Living here at the house and having the ministry take me in like they did has been the ultimate learning experience. I've learned to see the good in every bad situation and have a smile on my face at the end of the day. Being here at the house, I've grown mentally physically and spiritually. They've taught me to diminish my doubts, push through to reach any goal that I have. Through our job skills and empowerment program, I've been able to save $1,700. I'm graduating high school and starting college next semester. Two days a week, we run a job skills program. And if you walked in and saw some of the products, those are all handmade by the girls in our program. They get paid for 10 hours a week, so it's a little part-time income. We have a curriculum that we take them through. We're learning about goal setting, accountability, resume writing, how to work with difficult people, how to budget, all of these good life skills we're teaching them. So the products out there directly support the girls in our job skills program. I think my time with y'all is about up this morning, but I will be outside if you have any questions. Thank you for listening to me. Thank you for just hearing my heart about this issue. I'm very passionate about it. Uh, I see these girls not as prostitutes. I see them as children that have been prostituted. Even adult women, I challenge you in the way you think about them. You know, growing up, always in our in our town where I'm from in West Virginia, we had a lot of prostitutes, and they were always walking around and begging for cocaine or meth. And you may see that here and think, oh, what a waste, or she wants to be doing this. I've had the pleasure of meeting some of these prostitutes, and I'll tell you, they have stories just like these minors. You know, I had one in Hendersonville tell me when I was four, I was raped. When I was 12, I had a pimp. So let's not cast judgment. Let's be a little more sensitive. You know, let's choose to say these are women that have been prostituted. Let's not label them as prostitutes. That labels them. That brands them. They're daughters of the king. They're women of destiny. They have great purpose. 
and anybody can be pulled out. I had a guy in the media tell me, so you're telling me at Fields of Hope you're taking prostitutes and turning them into leaders? I said, that's exactly what I'm telling you. He said, well, that can't be done. Nobody's going to buy into that. And I said, watch me. It is being done. You know, so I'm just so thankful and grateful for your time. Just keep us in prayer. Our website is so easy. It's hopehousenc.com. Like Hope House, North Carolina, if you want to check us out. And I'll have some brochures after I leave. But thanks for hearing me today, and God bless you all.